This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I want to talk to NFL and college football analyst Mike Dettelier, who knew Coach O before he became what we know as Coach O. Uh, Mike, is it hard to wrap your head around what we just heard? You know, listen, uh, life changes quickly. Uh, and so things happen fast, sometimes unexpectedly. And uh, it just seemed to come apart so quickly. And I think that was the thing that I think catches everybody uh, a little off guard with this, that how could it have went south this quickly? And, um, you know, listen, they got a lot of different factors. I look at two of them. To me, the main factors, one, is that, um, well, I'll say three. One's the Joe Burrow factor, okay? Uh, Joe, man, he sued a lot of ointments on that team. And uh, we've seen it, If you know, what happened at Texas A&M after Johnny Manziel left. Uh, what happened to uh, Coach Helton at USC when Sam Darnold left? What's happened... Uh, you know, different places if, you know, Gene Chizik uh, lost Cam Newton. And uh, he did irritate the number one donor at Auburn, which wasn't a smart idea. But, um, again, we've seen this come apart. And, and a lot of people don't like to admit this, especially males, that there is one guy that is a cut above, and that was Joe. And he sued a lot of the ointment. He put a lot of it on this football team, and uh, you got that magical run. I think the second thing is uh, to lose quality assistant coaches and people with experience and the inability to fully develop your talent. Uh, Pete Jenkins, uh, losing him, defensive line. Then his the guy that replaced Pete was uh, Meatball, Dennis Johnson. He's the defensive line coach at Baylor right now. That's a pretty good football team there. Uh, Steve Ensminger, uh, manslinger, you know, uh, and, and Joe deserves all the credit in the world uh, for, the, for some of that offensively. But manslinger was a really good play caller, and, he, and even Joe Burrow has told me 
that Ensminger played such a big part in his career in developing his talent. And not to mention Joe Brady, who's going to be an NFL head coach one day, and Dave Aranda, who's the head coach now at Baylor. That's some key people you lost and didn't fully replace uh, from a standpoint of developing talent. And don't give me that they don't have talent. Last three recruiting seasons, they finished fifth, fourth, third nationally. That's pretty good. And, and fifth, fourth, and third. So, yeah, you did lose a ton of people in 2019, no question about it. And they were hard to replace. But you came back and, man, bang, 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 three top five recruiting classes. And But the difference was you weren't able to fully develop it. But I think the main cause of what we have experienced is something we see and we don't like to talk about, but it's true. Most people in life can't handle great success. Can't handle it. Uh, There is a reason 73% of Powerball and lottery winners are broke within 36 months. Don't know how to deal with money. Don't know how to deal with that type of wealth all of a sudden. Ed did not do the best job, and I think when he's going to look back at it, he's going to admit that. Um, You sort of trade your passion for glory and and being in the limelight a lot more than you were before. It's hard to get to the mountaintop. It's even harder to stay there. It's why long after you and I will shed this mortal coil that we're in, they will be writing books about Nick Saban and how he was able to do it. There's been no one like him uh, around. It's unbelievable how each year, I mean, his teams are playing for national championships, and he loses players. He loses coaches. They got transfer, transfer portals, losing guys early to the NFL draft, and he still keeps reloading the gun. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he's done it like no one has ever done it. And so, you know, you lose your focus. You lose your maybe work ethic isn't as, you know, tight as it was before. Uh, and, and things distract you. People around you aren't as good. You maybe don't listen as well to people that you maybe would have listened to. And that's what great success brings you. Okay, but no one wants to admit it. No one. Oh, I can handle it. B.S. You think you can handle it. Very few people can. Uh, That's a big reason why about 3% of the nation's wealth are controlled by a handful of people. They know how to deal with it. They know how to handle success. Now, maybe their personal life might be a mess, but, man, their professional life is unbelievable. And so, Christian, I think we saw the trifecta here. You lose a great quarterback and leader. You never really replace some quality coaches who could develop talent. And thirdly, I think the kind of – it's a metaphor off of the movie, but you lost the eye of the tiger. You you lost – you know, you traded in your passion uh, for a little bit of glory, for a little bit of – spotlight when you weren't quite as focused and ready to go that's right out of the song before that's right out of the song passion for glory (laughs) 
that's it. It's uh, it's it is what it is. And so uh, I think those three things played a huge part. I've, I've heard all this stupidity and all this rhetoric about talent. Again, I can tell you, if you finish in the top five recruiting three straight years, it's not because of a lack of talent. Now, you might say they didn't do a good job along the offensive line, recruit people, and you got no debate on me with that. But look at the NFL players that's on this roster today. I mean, they got a truckload full of them. So it's, uh, you know, I hate to see it happen, especially somebody I've known, and he don't like me saying this, but it's probably 50 years. Um, but, you know, because we're we getting up there uh, in age. And, you know, I saw a guy that, Christian, he never spoke to me about being a professional player. And he was maybe the most highly recruited football player in the southern part here uh, along the bayou at that time frame that I could ever remember. I mean, he could have went to Alabama. His old man had a little incident. <laughs> Mr. Babay with Coach Bryant who wanted to recruit him to Alabama, and he kind of whipped him uh, off the premises. Um, and, you know, his focus and his passion was always to be a head coach, and it was to be at LSU. He gets that job. He runs through this magical year where everything works right and you riding high and then to see the wave hit you tsunami wise. And so, um, you know, listen, that'll be fine. You know, they pay it. He got 17 million reasons to be happy uh, as he walks away. But I know he is very disappointed and he feels as though he let down uh, Louisiana and LSU, and also for people on the Bayou. I think he took great pride in that, that, you know, he was the first guy from here to ever become a big-time head coach. Um, he always talked about, you know, legacies. Uh, you know, he would always talk about, you know, what you and Bobby Jay do. And, and what I'm doing is going to open the door for other, other men and women that come from here. And I think he really – that disappoints him more than anything. And next year, I would bet you Dallas the Donuts he's doing TV somewhere. You know, because, yeah. listen, he, he, he's a storyteller. Now, if you give him enough time, man, he got him. Believe me. Uh, you know, uh, he got him. But I really think he will miss coaching so much that in 2023, he's coming back coach somewhere in some capacity. But I do think TV is in his future. And I do think that um, uh, that's what he'll do in 2022 somewhere. I mean, they got enough networks now. Somebody willing to pay him quite a bit of money to do it. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I knew it had to be done. I, I just, you know, I had the feeling. I, I told you guys that I knew it would happen. Um, and uh, I feel awful for him because I think he really feels he let people down. And, um, you know, that, man, that's the worst feeling in the world uh, to, you know, to have that feeling, you know, to call your mom and tell her, hey, listen, I'm getting fired. Now, I'd love to have been on the other part of that conversation because, man, um, I know Miss Coco pretty well. So uh, it had to be a real colorful one. But, um, you know, you, you just, to have your dream job and see it slip away, it is, um, and listen, some of it was self inflicted wounds. So, you know, you got to take 
and I, and he'll take ownership of it like he has. And but listen, Christian, I'm gonna be honest. I've worked in a lot of different professions with a lot of different people. He's one of the toughest dudes <laughs> I've ever been around in my life, and I'm talking like mentally tough guy. And um, but I could just see, you know, the tread coming off the tires, and, and you know, and so you know, whatever. And, and he knew it's a new regime there. Uh, you know, Scott didn't hire him. Uh, he did give him the extension, but he didn't hire him. Um, you know, President Tate is, is a new president at LSU. He fully understands that while it's all about academics and uh, athletics is a money flow like nothing else. And um, uh, Didi used to always tell me, Didi bro, uh, used to always tell me, she was like, Mike, uh, Coach O is the goose that laid the golden egg for me. You know, I, I pull for them coaches because you know what? They put money in my program. And so he's the golden goose. And I think President Tate understands that. And he's going to have a say in this. I know you're going to hear all these other geniuses talk about such and such. And I think Scott's a really good athletic director. And, and, I think him and Tate will work this out, but you can bet your bottom dollar that William Tate uh, will have a say on who the next president is at LSU. I mean, uh, head coach is at LSU. It, it's just part of I'm in charge now. I understand how, how big this is for the school. I understand the money that's coming in. And in an area now that has been hit by all these devastating storms and economic impact, man, sports is pumping a lot of money into the coffers. You know, <laughs> William understands that <laughs> very, very well. And he understands one thing. Winning cures a lot of ills. Bottom line. Mike, what do you think Coach O's legacy will be? 2019, yep. the greatest college football season ever. Now, it can be debated, but I think you – know, listen, I've seen a lot of it now, you know, because I'm, I'm on the other side of 60 years old, and I've seen a lot of it. But I think his legacy will be that 2019 season and having this magical run. And, you know, he took a quarterback – that was a backup at Ohio State. Um, I remember him telling me the story about Mikey. The strange part was there was only really two schools after him. One was Cincinnati and one was LSU. <laughs> you just think about that. You know, that other schools needed quarterbacks too. And it came down to Cincinnati, kind of a hometown type team for, for Joe. And LSU and Ed Solitude that, hey, listen, got your opportunity here, uh, and, and I'm going to give it to you. And how it ran, you get a double-digit winning season, year one with uh, Joe, and then, and man, 2019, he was unbelievable. Uh, and, and the guys believed in him, and they would have went through the brick wall. And, and Joe was the ultimate competitor. And, and I hate to say this, but Joe was a lot like Coach O. They both tough guys. They both 
laughs to be pushed and pushed around, I think, by one another. O would sort of get on him. Joe would sort of mouth back. Um, and one bit of advice I told Joe at the Manning camp, he's like, you know, how you handle him? I said, you know what really uh, is going to squeeze the kind of vitamin C out the orange? Don't tell him nothing. <laughs> Don't tell him a word. That's going to bother him more than anything. And so he laughed next time we talked. He said, boy, did he get on his on his backside? Because Ed wants to kind of, you know, get you to dialogue with him. And Joe refused, you know. But, man, Joe was a lot like him in a, in a lot of ways from a, a toughness standpoint and a blue collar. And I'm going to show you just how good I am. 2019 was basically, I think, Ed's sort of message that, hey, LSU and these kids who come from a lot of different backgrounds, these young men, we're going to show you how good we are. The problem was getting that magic back, and it never could do it. really couldn't. Who do you think is the top target right now? Uh, Scott Woodward downplayed it a little bit, but how viable of a candidate is Mel Tucker at Michigan State? I think he's very viable. I think he's the uh, – yeah, I said this last week. I think Mel Tucker's the top guy on their list. I, I don't know, um, you know, how Mel will feel about it. You know, because Mel sort of – and he's been a commuter coach. Man, he's bounced all over the place. He was, you know, he was at LSU for one season, and he goes to Ohio State. He sort of bounces around, goes into the NFL. He was with the Browns. Uh, he was the interim head coach with Jacksonville. Uh, goes to Colorado, spends one year there, takes off. Now he's at Michigan State having a great run uh, with the Spartans this year. Um, still, a, a guy that from everybody I've spoke to, he relates well to players. He's a good recruiter. Um, now, most teams will go after the offensive coach. That's not Mel. Mel's a defensive guy. He coaches secondary. But uh, I, I think he's the top guy. Uh, right now, he's the hottest coach, so to speak, out there uh, in a situation where, you know, if you're trying to land that guy, and I always think of Nick because I did some junkets uh, when Nick was here, and he sort of had the same speech all over. You know, it got to the point, it's almost like, you know, I can tell the A-Bear stories as well as A-Bear because I've heard them a lot. Nick had kind of the same speech no matter where he went and one of the things he would always talk about the main reason he left he loved LSU was he said one of the main reasons I left Michigan State to come to LSU was of who else was in the state that Michigan was always going to be the school in Michigan Mm -hmm. and Michigan State was the number two and Nick had also done a lot of research on number of players coming out of Louisiana going to the NFL. Christian, four out of the last five years, Louisiana has been in the top three per capita for producing NFL players. There's only one year it wasn't. That was last, that was last year. It was the only year they weren't in the top three. This year they're number one. Per capita. So you got a lot of talent. You're the top school in the state. Um, He knows the area uh, pretty well. And, um, man, today, I think I can get 
a really good offensive mind a lot quicker than a defensive guy. You know, <laughs> that the man to find that that defensive guy today and the way the game is is unbelievable. Uh, I had this conversation with Pete Jenkins, and you know, Pete's always about man. You know, that next defensive genius, <laughs> maybe he ain't born yet <laughs> because I don't see him. You know, they got some good ones, but he said the, the real genius to come up with things. And he said, look at Nick, you know, how his defensive struggles at times at Alabama. And so uh, I think it's easier to find the offensive kind of coordinator, quarterback coach than it is to find that defensive guy. And so uh, I think Mel Tucker's number one. I think James Franklin from Penn State would be the number two guy. You know, James is a Pennsylvania guy. Um, I've talked to Rich about it, you know, and, and, and James, terrific coach. You win nine games at Vanderbilt. I'm talking about Vanderbilt. You won nine games. <laughs> Man, listen, that, that is quite a task when you do that. Uh, and he's been a good to very good coach at Penn State. Would he leave Pennsylvania? And, and you know, that's kind of his background. Now, he, he's always got to complain about facilities. Now, I don't know if it's, you know, like a guy who won $100 million in a lottery and complaining that the other big winner won 150 But he's always got a complaint about facilities at Penn State. LSU's got one of the best facilities uh, athletically in the country. Uh, tremendous fan base. Great uh, high school coaching and development of talent in this area and a plethora of talent. So I, I – Number one on the chart would be Mel Tucker for me, uh, and I felt that after kind of hearing some things last week. And I think Franklin would be the number two guy. NFL college football analyst Mike Dettelier here uh, on a Sunday special where LSU and Coach Ed Ogeron have mutually agreed to part ways at the end of the season. Uh, Mike, we talked about the coaches coming in. Uh, right now, you heard all those reports about – quote-unquote girlfriends being at practice and participating in drills with kids during actual LSU practices. It wasn't addressed in this press conference, and it wasn't brought up by the media. But yet the media is reporting these, the media there I'm talking about, those that were on hand to file questions to Coach O or Scott Woodward. How accurate do you think those are, and uh, why do you think they weren't addressed? You know, Christian, I don't know. Um, I've been to a couple of practice sessions. Uh, I mean, I personally never saw it. And I'm not saying it didn't happen. Uh, but, but, you know, when I've been there, I, I've never seen that. Now, Ed was pretty loose about letting people into practices. Uh, that that part um, I know was not there. With, you know, Les was pretty tight in his practice sessions. Uh, and, and and Nick was even worse. Uh, so um, Ed was much looser about, you know, people who were alumni, uh, fraternity, sorority people, um, you know, clubs, uh, y- you name it. You know, he, he was letting them there, inviting them in. Uh, you know, uh, last year I, I asked him, because I had someone ask me, can – you get some stuff signed for me for a charity event. So I said, okay. I sent him a text. He answered it right back right away, and I'm going to clean it up a little bit. He said, they still want my autograph after we play this sort of football? And I said, yeah, unbelievably so. He said, listen, if you can come here tomorrow, get here for 11 o'clock. 
I said, okay. Uh, got there at 11 o'clock, uh, walked in. It took him maybe five minutes to sign. And he had a lot of stuff to sign. Signed it all up. Next thing you know, you, you know, I sat in on this power half hour. They were calling high school coaches uh, across the country and spending some time with the assistant coaches who were recruiting that area. And then he had the final say. Uh, talks about recruiting and stuff like that. He was very – other coaches wouldn't allow. Now, he knew I wasn't going to say all that, uh, what was going on, but other coaches wouldn't have allowed that. They wouldn't let you into that sort of meeting. Ed was very loose about it. And he, but he was like that in 2019 and 2018 too. So the stuff that I saw reported, it, now it could be accurate. Uh, it could be. And, and, and if that's the case, then, then it's way out of line. It's, it's way out of line. You, you can't have that. You can't have it. You could invite people to practice and everything else, but he was much looser. And he couldn't tell people no. You know, he, he couldn't tell some alumni and the kids want to go there. Um, you know, they want to go see a practice, and it's a closed practice. He couldn't tell them no. You know, it, it was part of him. Uh, Christian, that was just part of his makeup uh, as a person. So uh, I could see how that. Well, that's could where it went well wrong because Coach O, because Coach Saban always said one of the biggest things: have a no guy, put a no guy between you and whoever else. Someone has no problem saying no. He didn't that's have a up. no guy. He, he had people around him <laughs> that had basically kind of patted him on the back and told him how great he was. You know, and, and, you know, again, um, can rehash this to death, but that, that was not the right thing. I know because I've, I've heard it from, um, you know, Pete Jenkins has told me that there are people on that staff at Alabama to watch the news and what's going on in the world. Now, I'll be honest with you. Nick Saban and Ed Ogeron ain't the type of guy that at 5.30 in the afternoon they watching the NBC or CBS News or Fox News or whatever. They're not watching that, okay? That, that ain't their gig. But Nick had somebody do that. And he tells a story once everything started to kind of break down, you know, in the summer of last year that all of a sudden he gets called in. Now, Pete's not even on the staff. He's a part-time guy, okay, at Alabama. He gets called in and says, listen, I need to talk to you right away. I think that we've got some major issues, and i got to address it right now. And he was like, how the hell you know this, Pete? You know, you, you hear, you're watching film and all. He said, no, i got a couple guys that come explain it to me. Isn't that what you would want on your staff? A guy that can kind of tell you, hey, this is what's happening in the outside world. You know? You would think that that was there, and it wasn't. It, it just wasn't. And so, you know, um, him and I had a conversation. He did, you know, he did an interview. I told him, yes, who set you up for this interview? That, that makes no sense to me. You know, who's setting you up for this interview? Uh, so, you know, it. It, it went awry, and it went awry quickly. And I think a lot of people just did not want to tell him anything. And I think part of his demeanor was he wanted to please everybody. 
I, I think he that's just his his way. And, um, you know, it, 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 it caught him at the end. It, it really it did. did. Because it's distracting. That, that's not your job to be setting up interviews. Okay? That's not your job uh, to be doing this and doing that. That's someone else's job. But, you know, it, um, it, it is what it is now. There's nothing you can do to change it uh, Mike, at that point. Mike, that's just it. the way he was. Well, you got the right read. I mean, that's that's the way the powers to be felt that you couldn't turn it around. The other thing too is, and this is the tricky issue. And I've had some talks with different people at, at other schools about this. That when you know a coach is gone, and what you want to do is to have your coach in play there almost the day after the season's over with. Because recruiting, you got that short period now. you got to sign in December. So you got to get that guy in place. But it's a double-edged sword. Because you know why? Every coach's agent uses that as leverage to get more money out of their respective schools. That's the world we live in. Okay? I'm going to leak it out. So-and-so's interested in that LSU job. So you got a couple of prominent donors that will kick in extra money. I'll build you another facility. I'll do this. I'll do that. Well, okay, I'll, I'll stay. It's it's a tricky run on how it's done. And LSU, if you look at history, what happened with Joe Oliva? His first run was at Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Sada <laughs> leveraged that a little bit to get some things that he wanted at the final year at Florida State. The final, then the next year, you know, Les gets fired sort of midseason. He thought he had Tom Herman all signed up. Tom used LSU to get the job he wanted at Texas. Leverage it. How attractive is, is this job? Say, Tom? <laughs> Very attractive. LSU, come on. Look at the facilities. Look at the talent base. Man, yeah, it's a super attractive job. But a lot of times, you know, your heart tells you to do something else. Herman's heart was, was in Austin, Texas. Um, it just didn't work out with Jimbo. I, I think had they been able to work it out the year before, and then p- politics got involved. You got Bobby Jindal, who was the governor, got involved with a lot of different things. And I think they could have worked that out with Jimbo. But it, it did. But Jimbo's agent was smart enough to use it to get a little bit more money out of Florida State and get facilities. And then he bolted the next year once the money was right at A and M. So sometimes your heart and your wallet tells you what to do. But it, it is a very attractive job with great facilities, a tremendous talent base in your own state. There is no competing against another state school for top talent. Now, you may have to compete against Alabama for top talent, but you're not competing against another state school for top talent. And so it's a, it's a very attractive situation and great fans. And so, you know, it is what it is. And you're in the SEC. This is as close as you'll get to the NFL. And so, yeah, it's a super attractive job to coaches and look the pay scale that's happening now in the SEC and what they've been able to do to raise it with Coach Saban, 
uh, with Jimbo, what what Ed was getting, you know, Second highest I mean, paid coach in the country, man, you know, that's a lot of money. So, um, you know, put it to you this way: he's not going to be, you know, he's going to be uh, renting no home somewhere. You know, Ed's got enough money to buy. So, uh, again, it, Christian, it's it's a really good, it's a great job, uh, and it's a type of job that. When you win, you are king, so to speak. You are the king here. And and you just got to know how to handle it. You got to know how to handle that huge part of success that comes with it. And, uh, you know, Ed wasn't like Paul Diesel. You know, uh, my dad and my uncles would all used to talk. You know, Paul would end his speech. He won a national championship. And he was on the verge of winning another one. And But he would end every speech with... I'll never leave LSU. Huh. And when he and when he got his chance to go to Army, he took off, dude. All you see saw was the back of his sneakers. Uh, get out of there! And um, and and he told and he said it later to me. It's probably the worst professional move I ever made. I should have stayed there. I really had it. And but yet the dream to coach at that time at Army, you know, yeah, that, was they were, was they were a powerhouse. Uh, they had been a powerhouse, and that was a dream job for him. But times changed as the 60s came around. It changed dramatically. And uh, Paul couldn't predict that. He, he just couldn't predict it. And so look the bevy of coaches since. You know, uh, Charlie had a – Coach Mack had a great run. But, you know, man, you went through Stovall and Arnsparger and, and Mike Archer and Curly Holman and Nick. And, you know, you know, it just less. And, and, and now Ed. So um, it's um, it is what it is, but it's a great job. And I think every coach that's left here has always said the same thing. Man, you know, that it was something special to coach at LSU. It was really – and you have – man, when the fans are into it, man, you've got home, home field advantage. You got it. You know, it's intimidating, uh, that sound and everything else. And that sort of got lost. You heard a little bit of it Saturday. But, you know, I think winning, it changes everybody. Even people that I never thought would not go to an LSU game told me after the UCLA game, I'm not going. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm selling my tickets to somebody. And that absolutely shocked me. And that's. What gave me the indication, hey, this ain't good for Ed. It's not. We know the, result, the end result now. NFL and college football analyst Mike Dettelier. Mike, thanks for joining us on this on this uh, night where LSU and Coach Ed Ogeron have agreed to mutually part ways. Coach O will finish the season. He'll get paid through 2025. Not quite the big money that he was going to get if that contract had worked out the way he wanted it, but he's still getting paid. Mike, thanks, man. Thanks a lot, Christian. Appreciate it. All right, you bet. Uh, we'll step away and come back. I want to hear from the uh, from the Tiger Nation on this news. Listen, I don't want to ask the question, are you glad he's gone? Because, uh, listen, you know, families are involved in decisions like this, and most of us have families, and I, I don't like to see families go through um, a transition. And I know that he's he's very well compensated, but my point is, are you? what about the timing of this? Are you? Uh, do you question the timing of it? Um, and do you think that this tonight announcing it tonight is odd to me? And do you just have, do you have some questions? And what questions do you have? Because I've got a bunch. Five zero four two six zero one eight seventy. 
Also, the Cajun Cannon Bobby Bear will step in here in about 20, 25 or 30 minutes. This is WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 